Okay, let's turn to John chapter 20. <coughs> turn to John chapter 20. <coughs> we shall read again from verses 19 to 31. John 20, starting from 19 to the end of the chapter. Okay, John chapter 20. Let's begin reading from verse 19. Reading, then the same day at evening, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again. Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whoso remit, sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. <clears throat> and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us turn to him in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us into thy house, for seeing us through yet another week. Lord, we come before thy throne of grace, asking for Help to understand your word, to know our Saviour better, to obey him and to love him. And Father, we pray again for cleansing, for washing in the blood of Christ. Thou hast known our sins through and through. Do you know our thoughts, what we have spoken, what we have done? Lord, show to us our sins that we may confess and repent. And Father, we also pray that you'll be with every group, be with every facilitator, be with every um, one who is studying your word. Lord, may you richly bless um, the learning of your word this night to the understanding and to the transformation of lives. Be with us, we pray, that you remove all tiredness or distraction that we may focus on studying your word and obeying you. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, just a very quick revision. We stopped actually um, until verse 22, from 19 to verse 22. Now, actually as you read this passage, you will notice one thing, right? It's about Christ's resurrection. And one thing about the resurrection here is 
the constant emphasis on Christ having a physical body, right? That he was not a spirit. Now, if you look at your, your Bibles, now, first of all, it emphasizes in verse 20, he showed his disciples his hands and his side. He wanted them to see that he had a physical body, right? And when with Thomas, again, he said, Thomas, now handle me. Reach, verse 27, put your finger through my hands. Reach into my side. And he emphasized again and again, I have a physical body. Now, this was about the resurrection, right? So, one of the things that the Christian must understand is what is so important about Christ's resurrection. Ignatius, do you remember the lesson? Why is Christ so focused on making sure the disciples know, I have a body? To show the disciples that he conquered death. To show the disciples he conquered death. Well, he can conquer death by going to heaven and appearing as a spirit. That he has a glorious body, right? That he has a resurrected body. Now, then we also start to ask, why is the body important? Is the body important? Christ, when Christ died on the cross, was the work of salvation finished? Susan, why do you know that? Because he said, because he said it is finished. It is finished means... The work of salvation is done. means if you die, you believe him, like the thief on the cross, you die, you will go to heaven. He told the thief, you'll be in heaven with me today, right? But then why must he bother to resurrect? Because we're going to heaven already. Susan, do you remember? Um, because God intends that Correct. Because God intends that the believer worship and serve him with a body. You, your loved ones who are dead, Christians that believe in Christ, they die, they are in heaven now. Correct? Why must Christ resurrect? Because Christ intends that when He has a resurrected body, means we will also have the resurrected body. Correct? If He did not have the resurrected body, means we also will not have resurrected body. We will just remain spirit forever. Did God want man to remain a spirit forever? Joash? Did God want man to remain a spirit forever? No. To give man a body means after we die, our spirit is in heaven, God will still resurrect our body like he resurrected himself, right? Then the emphasis is what? The body, is it important? Benda. The body is very important. That's why when the Lord arose, he makes sure I have a body. You must know I have a body. And I'm resurrected means one day you will also have the resurrection. You will also have the body. Okay? Now, before I go further, so if someone challenges you, we will not have the same body as Christ. The Bible doesn't teach that Christian will have a resurrected body like Christ. The Bible doesn't teach that. Renda, is it true? Does the Bible teach that we will have the resurrected body just like Christ's body? Yes. But the person argues, no, the Bible doesn't teach that. Reverend Joseph talks rubbish. Here we saw Christ, right? The door was locked, but Christ just appeared with them, right? Means Christ can walk through, Christ's physical body can walk through walls. Correct or not? Justin. Right? The doors were closed, but Christ appeared among them. They got shocked also. So, Brenda, do you remember? 
Ah, you turn to Bible verses. That, where does the Bible say we will also have the resurrected body, which is like unto Christ, the glorious body? Mm, smart, bring your notes. <coughs> See, yeah, we forget very fast, right? Because someone did challenge in this church that... Um, not there yet. Well, okay, we can turn there. First Corinthians fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen. What? Uh, First Corinthians fifteen. <clears throat> okay. Yes, there is this proof here. First Corinthians fifteen, twelve, uh, twelve to nineteen. Now, um, here it just tells you verse thirteen. If there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If then Christ is not risen, then your faith is in vain, correct? Now, but where does the Bible say that we will have a resurrected body like Christ? It just says that, well, we will, Christ resurrected, so we should resurrect. But the Bible doesn't say that we have a resurrected body like Christ. Because you always listen to me say, then they say, yeah, we have a resurrected body. Then someone in church challenge, no, the Bible doesn't teach that. Joash, remember? No. Caleb, remember? Didn't write down. Okay, who remembers? Wait, say again. Where, where verse 20? First Corinthians. Okay, then it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. Yeah? So it just said Christ is the first that resurrect. We will also resurrect. You're correct. It's very close, but the person challenged this. We don't have the same body like Christ. We don't have that glorious body. Okay, Shenri is closing her eyes very tightly. Is there such a verse or not first? We shall be like him. Correct. The question is where? Turn to Philippians. Right? After this, you remember forever, right? I hope. First, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Let's read Philippians 3, 21 together. Now, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself? Now, here is the, is the description of the resurrected body. Christ, verse 21, who is Christ? Huh? Christ shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So does Bible tell us that we will have the glorious body fashioned like Christ's resurrected body? The Bible does say that very clearly. Alright? Cornelius, so it is found in Philippians 3.21. Very good. So never doubt that. Now, but it's all wonderful. But then again, so what? Why does God emphasize, why did Christ emphasize so much? Remember when God created man, Justin, when God created man, he, he created man out of dust. Alright? So dust formed the body. Very good. Then he breathed into man and gave man life. Correct? God created angels. Does angels have bodies? No, angels are spirits. Correct? But when he created man, he created man with body. 
He created, created angels, created animals. Man, he created man with bodies and a living, everlasting soul. So man is unique. When man fell, was God only going to just save man and save the spirit? No, he wants to bring it back to the original state. Back to a body, but a perfect body. After man sinned, the body is no longer perfect, right? It's a sinful body, a vile body. So God's plan is to once again bring man back to that original state of a perfect body. Man will serve and worship him in a body. Okay? Otherwise, Christ died, then he don't need to resurrect. We're all going to heaven. That's it. Good enough. We are like angels, spirits. Not good enough. But what is the important lesson for us on earth before the resurrected body? Is the body important? It is. Clara, do you remember? Were you here? Okay, so, so he said, ah, the resurrected body, we have the perfect body, the glorious body, like Christ will serve God in that. But now, it's not important. Is it true? No. Why? How do you know? Very good. Now, where do you find that? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians. <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay, let's read verse 19 and 20 um, together, reading 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Reading, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did God say, I only want man to have a spirit and the man's body is not important even when on earth? No. The body on earth is important. Okay? So God says, you are the believer. I redeem you. I save you. Your body is important. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Okay? So the body of the Christian is very important. Where else? Turn to chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 54. Um, no, okay. I think this we, we already know. We have the temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. That's for revision. Let's read this. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Okay, let's read together. 16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 3, 16 and 17. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So, the emphasis of the body is very important. In other words, Christian, your body, how you use your body, what you use your body for, is very critical. So what are the practical lessons? Uh, Samantha, we know the body is important. It's so important that Christ redeem it. Christ will give us a glorious body, but that's the future. But now also we know we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's so important. God says, if you defile it, I will destroy you. Now, so what are some practical examples? Correct. It say in your body, glorify Him, right? So what is an example of not glorifying Him with our body? 
when we when we sin, okay, when we commit sin, you use your body to commit sin. Alright? You can commit sin in your thoughts, of course, but it comes out as an action. How else you would put God to shame instead of glorifying Him? By the way you by the way you dress. Now you understand why God says women dress modestly. Why? Because the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Alright? Which which person builds a temple and then goes and goes and um, um, draw graffiti on it? You don't defile it, right? So the body is important. Now dressing is important. Now you understand why. Don't say I go to a church that controls our dressing. Huh, what a what a backward and old-fashioned church. We go to a church where we are where we understand the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And therefore, we do not put God to shame with how we dress. Same for men also. I don't think that only women can dress immodestly. I think nowadays men also can dress immodestly. Men like to go around topless and all that. It is not for that purpose. Alright? So dress dress up. Alright, so dressing for women, for example, what else? When you render. What you what you take in in your eyes and your mouth. Yes, what you take in, you defile the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right? What you watch, what you listen, you subject your body to sin. Right? That's why we say don't listen to sinful music. You are subjecting the body, the temple of God, to this kind of sinful vow things. Okay? What you, what you eat. Ah? So you should not eat siyo. <laughs> what you eat, what you drink. Did God say even what you your eating and drinking glorify Him? Right? The most basic thing, eating and drinking. What you eat. If you are a drug abuser, you defile the temple of the Holy Ghost. Understand that. So Christians should never even think of trying recreation drug because it damages the body. Do you know people who take drugs? Their body are very damaged. Do you study in school? No. You do. What do they say? Jasmine, you're nodding vigorously. What does drug do? Um, it like... It's too complicated. <laughs> too complicated. <laughs> um, basically, like if you take too much, you become addicted to it, and then it's like hard to stop taking it, and then your body has like withdrawal symptoms and everything. And then... mm -hmm. You become addicted? You don't take, your body will have all sorts of reaction. And even after you stop taking, many things are already damaged. Understand that. The body is damaged and you will not be able to serve God to your full strength. Right? So the Satan always invents things to destroy the body. Invent clothes to put God's body to shame. Invent drugs to destroy the body. Invent alcohol, the kind of alcohol drinks we have today, to destroy the body. Now today I went to see a doctor and there's a big sign that, that says if you're pregnant, do not drink. But I thought doctors always say drinking is good for your health but now they acknowledge. Do you know that just one cup of wine can significantly um, put, uh, exponentially increase the risk of breast cancer in women? It is a known fact. Destroy the body. 
So all this invention of Satan. So understand that. That's why God says, abstain from this kind of alcoholic beverage because what you put in, what you ingest, destroys the temple of God. And so understand this. God has reasons for that. The church explained all this is because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You do not want to regret one day. There are people who come for counseling, they've been taking drugs, and when they stop, they can't even work. Do you understand? It destroys you. They stopped, but they will have this withdrawal syndrome where they fear. They can't even work. They go to work, their, their bodies will be in constant shivering, and they have a fear of, of interacting with people. All sorts of hallucinations, all sorts of problems. You are destroyed. Whatever God creates, what does Satan want to do? Ignatius. Destroy. Destroy. So your body, so when Christ resurrected, he kept emphasizing the body, I have a body, you will have a body. And now this body of yours is supposed to use to glorify God. Okay, you use it very carefully. So your school holidays, where you go, what you do, please know that wherever you go, when you're walking, you must remind yourself, when you look at something, something's going in, or when you take something, or you want to do something that's sinful, you say what? I am Ignatius. I am Ignatius. I am I am the temple of God. I am the temple of God. That will keep you from sinning. Understand that. Okay? Alright, so that's a quick revision. So the body is very important. Now we move to some other areas which I think are a current affair, a problem today. Now let's very quickly go to um, That's my question. Okay, do priests now. Let's look at verse verse twenty-two. Uh, verse twenty-three. Let's read together. John twenty, verse twenty-three. Let's read. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now, of course, this is a very famous verse used by the Roman Catholics. Susan was a Roman Catholic, right? The Roman Catholics will tell you this is a proof that the priest can forgive sins. Because you look at verse 23, God told the apostles, um, whoever sins you remit, remit means you forgive, um, they are forgiven unto them. Whosoever sins they retain, they, retain, they are retained. So that is, they use this for the support of confessional. Means you go to the priest, they say, I committed this sin, all right? So, Caleb, have you heard of before where the Roman Catholics, they go to the priest and then the priest, Oh, Father, I have sinned and I've done this sin. And then the priest say, Okay, um, I forgive you. Your sins are forgiven. Do you know they do that? Didn't know. Yeah, but they do that because of this verse. Right? This verse says, Whosoever sin you forgive, you be for it will be forgiven. They say, I do not forgive. It's not forgiven. You go and give a lot of money to the church before I forgive you. Then they quickly go and give a lot of money to the church. So this verse. Now the question is this. Is it true? Susan, is it true that men can forgive sin? Priests, so ask question number one. Do any priest or religious leader, sorry, there's no I, or I, maybe I, pastor, have the power to forgive sins? Do I? Okay, so if it's personal, means 
means you, you, you did something wrong against someone, then you ask for forgiveness, the person can forgive you. But if you sin against God, the person cannot forgive. But in this context, Christ is talking about forgiven, God forgiveness of sins that people commit against God also. How do you explain this? What is God saying? Because you have to be very clear in your heart. Who was a Roman Catholic before? You. Many too. <coughs> um, Elaine, what do you think God is saying? Okay, previous verse now. Oh, everyone very smart already. Look at context. Very, very good. Once you look at context, you will know. Okay, what's the previous verse? Uh, it says, receive the Holy Ghost. Okay. So, he's giving them authority, well, not really authority, but in his place. In his place. Okay, so he's giving them. Then this is exactly what the Roman Catholics say. You see, God gave the authority for the priest to stand in his place. To forgive sins. They're not apostles. They're not apostles. Well, um, but then this, this, the fact is still that God says, whosoever sin you remit, what? He told the, the, the people. Now the question is this. So maybe the challenge, can apostles forgive sins? Uh, only the great ones. Because Jesus Only the great ones. Okay, but we said Jesus breathed on them. Was, was, it, was Jesus breathing special power on them? Yes. But what power was that? Uh, uh, on, uh, you look at the verse again. Then you look at the verse before that. <laughs> right? Keep tracing context. The verse before that was? As my father has sent me, so send I you, right? Hmm. So How? So none of you can answer this question. Ben, what do you think? Ben Cho. No, Benedict. Oh, Benedict is downstairs. I forget your names. Calvin. Say again? Calvin. Calvin? Nathan. 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 What do you think he's saying? Because suddenly we all have power to forgive sins, you know. I'm not sure. Kevin, how to answer? People say that, you see, the Bible tells us that the priests, special people, religious leaders have power to forgive sins. What do you think God is saying? Elim. No. Okay, so that bad. Brenda wants to answer, I can tell. <laughs> She's desperate to give the answer. Yes. Does that have something to do with the gospel? Something to do with the gospel. Very good. Why would you say that? Because it says, send I you. Send I you. I send you, right? And then, after you say, I send you, send you to do what? To spread the gospel. How do you know? Based on verse 22, how do you know? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. We refer to another book, right? Acts chapter 2. Very good. This was exactly Acts chapter 2. I will send you and you will receive the Holy Ghost power, right? Acts chapter 2, they did receive the Holy Ghost power. And it was to do what? To go and preach the gospel. 
Understand? So now when God says, so with that very clear clue from Brenda, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Jesslyn, what do you think then God is saying? Um, I think he's saying like if they, if they um, spread the gospel like the people that come to know Jesus, their sins will be forgiven. Correct. Correct. So God is saying now, I am sending you in verse 22, I am sending uh, verse 21, I'm sending you out like the Father sent me to come and preach the gospel. Then, verse 23, he reminded them that they will receive the Holy Ghost. They already have the Holy Ghost. But this was the filling of the Holy Ghost power, right? The power was to go and do what? Preach the gospel. Why did he say, I will give you power? Because they were fearful. Remember, they're in this room. They're all locked up in this room. They lock themselves in this room. They're afraid. But he said, don't be afraid. I will give you power to do what? To go and preach the gospel. I died for it. So you don't need to fear anymore. Look, I'm resurrected. Now you go. And he says, then you tell. So his point is this. When you tell people, can, can a Christian, okay, now she understand. Can a Christian say, your sins will be forgiven? Means says, whoever sins you remit, your sins will be forgiven. Can a Christian say that? You can, but it read. You can, you can, but it will lead to a lot, lot of wrong understanding. Can a Christian say, um, Jennifer, can a Christian say, you can go to heaven, you will go to heaven. You are forgiven and you will go to heaven. Cannot. Are you sure? Okay, let's turn to Acts um, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. So this is very closely linked to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, let's read verse 37, verses 37 to 39 together. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 39, now let's read together. Now when they were heard, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, that all are far, even as many as our Lord shall call. Now, did he use the word remit in verse 38? Remission, right? Forgiveness. Did Peter say you are forgiven? You can be forgiven. He did. But was he, give, was he forgiving based on his own power? No. He's simply saying, look at verse 37. The people heard the gospel, right? The whole chapter 2 before that, they preached the gospel, right? After they preached the gospel, verse 37, in their hearts they said, oh no, we are going to hell. We killed the Lord Jesus. We killed God. We are now all going to hell. What should we do? In verse 37, they were pricked in their heart. Then they asked Peter and, and the apostles, what shall we do? And Peter said, all right, so Caleb, what did Peter say? Verse 38. Peter said, repent, repent and be baptized in the name of Peter, no, right? In the name of Jesus Christ and you will receive forgiveness of sins, right? So did he declare forgiveness of sin? He did. 
and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Means you will surely go to heaven. So can a Christian say you will surely go to heaven? Yes. But not say, I say you will go to heaven. Ignatius, I like your hairstyle. You will go to heaven. No. But Ignatius, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you repent of your sin, you turn to Him and cry to Him as your only Lord and Savior. That's what it means by baptized. You will receive the Holy Ghost. You will surely be sealed and you will go to heaven. Can I say that? I can, right? So when... God told the disciples when Christ said to the disciples, whosoever sins you remit. He's saying, whosoever you preach the gospel to and tell them the truth, you can tell them that with this truth you can be forgiven. And if you reject the gospel, you will never be forgiven. Did they say that? They say that many times. If you don't believe in God, Jesus Christ as God and Savior, you will end up in hell. They tell them that as well. So did they remit sins? Did they? They did, okay, but not in their own power. Okay, so understand that. Now, what about this key? So the other thing, all right, so um, Susan, all right, because when you meet some of your Roman Catholic friends, they may ask that, um, that what about um, all these verses? Then you have to be clear in your heart and mind. Okay, now actually many other places you can write down also um, in, um, in the book of um, Acts chapter 16 verses 30 to 31. You will also read um, all these similar things where the disciples, they declare the, how to have sins forgiven. They declare how to have sins forgiven. Now, let's turn to Acts chapter 16. <coughs> Verse 30 and 31. Okay, let's read together. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Did they forgive sins? They forgave sins in the sense of telling them how their sins can be forgiven. Okay, so that is what it means. So I hope it is um, very clear in your own heart now. Now, what about the case where, Susan, what about the case where um, the keys given to Peter? Peter was given the keys to heaven. What do you think is about? What do you think that is about? All right, let's turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Matthew 16, verse 19. So what do you think? Now it should be very easy. <clears throat> Verse 18 and 19, let's read together. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. What do you think God is saying? Verse. Mm -hmm. And what? So the keys, the key to heaven. What is it? Peter's private key. No. No. What is it then? 
God's word, the gospel. The key is the gospel. What is the key to heaven? Cornelius, what's the key to heaven? The gospel. Peter was given the gospel. And he said, this is the gospel. I give it to you. With this, you can unlock heaven to people. Correct? Can Peter, does Peter have a private key to unlock heaven? No. All of them will have this key to unlock heaven to the hearers. Before that, they were still lost. And now, heaven is unlocked to them. And whatsoever you lose on earth, whatsoever you bound is according to the gospel. Not whatever Peter feel like. Huh? You know, one, of the, one of the trouble in the Roman Catholic Church is because it is wrong understanding, you have wrong all sorts of problems. This man was living in a city. Then he committed a certain sin. Then he went to the priest and said, I've committed a sin. Father, please forgive me. He keep committing the same sin. He keep going back week after week. The father said, I forgive you. Hmm? And then he moved to another city. Then he went to, he committed the same sin again and he went to the priest. And he went to the church in that city and said, Oh, Father, I have sinned. Please forgive me. And then what did the father say? What did the priest say? The priest said, Oh, my silly young man. That is not even a sin. You get the point? They choose what is sin and what is not sin. One says it's sin, one says it's not sin. When God says whatsoever you lose, whatsoever you bound, is based on God's word. If God's word says this is sin, Peter will say this is sin. If God says now you are forgiven when you confess your sin, then Peter will say you are forgiven when you confess your sin sincerely. Alright? So Peter lose and bound based on the word of God, not what Peter considers and set his own standard. The priest cannot do that. Okay, so now, I hope we are very clear in our hearts about this particular um, error. Now, but now the question is this. Very good, Elim. Very good. I know now that the keys to heaven is the what? Is the gospel. And then I know that I have the power to help people to go to heaven, right? Using the gospel. So what is the lesson for us? To go and tell the Roman Catholics they are wrong. Is that the only thing? No. Very good. Do you all hear? Alright. To preach the gospel. The point of this passage is that the Christian must know we have a power in our hands that is so great called the gospel. You know, you all like to watch all this funny X-Men thing. I hope none of you are watching. I went to look at the clip and said, oh, this is craziness. Their hand got all sorts of things flying out and powers and all that. Then young people want to act like them, dress like them, act like them. And go to, bow, bow. When you see kids walking in a shopping center, we like power in our hands. But do you know that you, real, you have a real power to bring forgiveness to men and to bring them to heaven. That is to bring the gospel to them. Have you been doing that? I'm very glad to hear someone say, I spoke the gospel to my friend. I hope they come. Do you know? Now, who got saved through a classmate telling them about the gospel? Actually, Susan, yeah. Who invited you to church? Sherry. <coughs> oh, this is uh, the old day. All right. Yeah, so yeah, old day is a good example. Before that, were you saved? Before that, if you died, where would you be? In hell. For how long? Forever. But because 
The church went out. We brought the gospel out. Was it a powerful thing that happened? If you die now, where will you be? How, for how long? Forever. You translated someone from hell, forever in hell, to forever in heaven. Do you understand how precious that is? What else in life is there more, that is more meaningful to live for than that? What else? To get your fantastic A's? I guarantee you when you come out and work, your employers don't really care. You tell them, I got A in this, I got A in this, this is a, it's a big deal. When you work, I want to see whether you can work. Alright? But the soul that you bring the gospel to, that in that sense, you remit the sin because you give the gospel. The person's life is totally forever changed. Is it worth living for that? It is. It is worth living for preaching the gospel. When you go out for evangelism with the church, don't go out dragging your feet, it's evangelism time, if I don't go there, everyone will look at me, why Ignatius is not there. Huh? You go because of this excitement. Whosoever sin you remit, you bring the gospel. Do you know that through this, you can, your sins can be forgiven? You know how much power it takes to forgive sin? Joash, how much power does it take to forgive sin? God's power. Does all the money in the universe, can it buy one forgiveness of sin? Can or not? Cannot. Power of God, the power to remit sins, it is in the gospel. So when you go for evangelism, that is what it is about. Do you realize that? The person may not get saved at that point of time. Elim, do you go out and give it tracts with us? Give out tracts at evangelism? Do you go for evangelism with us? No, you can try and come with us. Jennifer, did you give out tracts? Veronica, give out tracts? You didn't. When you go for street evangelism. You haven't been to, I thought you all went with us. Been a few times, you've given out tracts before? Now the tract that you give out, they may not be saved then, but they might be saved later on. There are many cases like that. Alright, so this is a wonderful thing that we, we are given. Let's turn to John chapter 20. Now when Christ, John chapter 20 verse 23, when Christ resurrected, he came to give them something very wonderful. He didn't come to say, now that I'm resurrected, I'm going to give you a wonderful life. He gave them the most wonderful thing, you know, the greatest power on earth. The, the thing that can transform a life that no amount of money in this world can buy. He gave them that. And this is given to us. Alright, so we must be very excited and desirous to go out to evangelize because this is what it is. That's why Christ was excited. He said, the first thing he met them, I want to tell you this. <sighs> Receive the Holy Ghost. I send you and whosoever sins you remit. That's the first thing he wants to tell them, right? Why? Because this is the most wonderful thing. When you reach home, what's the first thing you want to tell your parents? Something wonderful that happened in school, right? This is the thing that was bubbling in Christ's heart. I want to tell you that now I send you for this. Alright, so now <coughs> that happened. We learned that lesson. Now next, question number two. Now let's look at verse... Now, um, so verse 24. Thomas Didymus was not there, right? He's often uh, then... Um, verse 25, let's read together. The other disciples therefore said unto him... 
We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. But what did the Lord respond? Um, um, Jesslyn, what did the Lord's reply? What was the Lord's reply to him? Thomas said, I want to touch and feel, then I believe. But what was Christ's response to him? Look further down. Be not, uh, okay, be not faithless, but believing. And what else did he say? Because Thomas said, now I want to feel, I want to touch, then I believe. And then verse 29. He said, I see, then I will believe, right? But Christ said the opposite. Christ said, well, you have seen me, now you believe. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. What's the meaning of blessed? Uh, ben, what's blessed? God give you good things. What kind of good things? Physical or spiritual? Spiritual. Right? God will bless you or is happy, um, blessed of God. So Christ corrected Thomas. Now, see question number two. Comment on Thomas' faith. Okay, first of all, he was faithless. And the Lord Jesus responds, So do you think that the disciples were more blessed or we who have not seen Christ in person? Samantha, who is more blessed? The answer is very straightforward here, right? It's we. But the question is, do you believe? Because many Christians like to say, I... Uh, if you were like the disciples, the time so nice, right? Walking with Jesus, hear directly from Him, see His miracles, so blessed. But Christ said, no, we are more blessed, right? Do you believe? You believe, but do you really feel it? <laughs> do you ever wonder, actually, with Christ, would have been better? Believe by faith, God says it's better. So God says it's better, Samantha says then it is better. No, that should be our attitude, right? But that struggle is with the flesh. The flesh sometimes still struggle and say, Ah oh yeah, I think it's better. Clara is nodding her head. Why do you say so? Why do you feel so? Do you feel that it's really better? Don't see Christ, but just believe Him is better, more blessed, really more blessed. Isn't if Christ were the one teaching you all here much better than this long-winded man standing there? I think it would be very nice to see your Savior like face to face. But the Bible says that the Son was true. So it's according to the truth. Yeah, it is wonderful to yeah, we long to see our Savior face to face. Now, Shannon, why do you think it's more blessed? Why did Christ say it's more blessed? So we all agree, Christ say it's more blessed. But why do you think so? Because you exercise more faith. Why is exercising more faith more blessed? When you exercise your faith, you will grow 
Well, with, when they were with Christ, they also exercised their faith. When Christ says something, they also grew. <coughs> Jocelyn, why? Why do you think so? It's how much trust. Well, he's physically not here, but yet we believe him. Yes. Well, that will please God. But God said, you are blessed. You are blessed to be simply believe even though you have not seen. God is definitely happy, like what you say. God, I don't see you, but I believe in you. I trust in you. It pleases God. But here God is saying, blessed are they. God is saying, you are blessed. Okay, come this side. Justin. Oh no, yeah, Justin. Why do you think so, Justin? Do you really feel so? Huh? Oh, so you're also not very sure. Mm, sounds like nicer if he's around, right? <laughs> no? Just do I say no? So why? Why? Why do you think Christ is more blessed? Because by all natural human thinking, it must be more blessed if the Christ is with us. But Christ said, no, 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 no. It's more blessed is you have believed, have not seen and yet have believed. Because it's harder to believe without seeing. So, um, maybe um, that's why you're more blessed. In that sense, in that uh, God gives you more faith in order that you may believe without seeing? It's more difficult when you don't see and yet you believe and that faith will have been given by God so you're more blessed. Yeah. Yeah? And then you have been given more so that that could happen. Okay. So that that could happen. Now, how do you believe Christ when you don't see Him? Wait, now, Kevin. How do you see Christ? How do you believe in Christ when you don't see Him? Through His Word. Through His word. So when Christ said, Blessed are they that believe, that they have not seen and yet believe, He's talking about what? He's talking about that believe what He says. Right? That believe what He said. Christ have already said, I will be resurrected. Right? But they heard it, but they did not believe. How, how do we believe in what do we believe in is we believe His Word. Christ is saying, you are more blessed if you just simply know what I say and you believe. You are more blessed. Alright? Now, we turn to Second Peter. Now, He told this to the disciples, right? Now, Peter would have been in the midst. Turn to Second Peter. Now, I want you all to fix this once and for all in your heart. Because in school, your teachers are telling you, at least, Elim. Is it Elim? Someone. My teacher says that God speaks to us through dreams and visions. Alright? Now, let's read Second Peter. Now, Peter says this. Second Peter, let's read from chapter 1, um, verses... Seventeen, uh, 15 all the way to 21 15 to 21 now you read carefully then I ask you to explain huh? 15 to 21 reading 
Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we have made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice from him, from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay. Um, wow. Ben, do you understand what this whole passage is about? Read too fast. Okay, catch no ball. Now, now, first in verse 15, it says, Peter say, now I'm going to die soon. And after I die, I want you to remember all the things I've written to you. Means God's word. Okay? Now, then he says, remember, God's word is not made up by us. We don't, we don't make up fables when we tell you about Christ. Verse 17. Now he says, ah, I want you to know uh, that when, when, Christ, when we were with Christ, we were with him. Verse, verse 18, right? When we were with him in the holy mount. And God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Um, Ignatius. The scene where the disciples were with Christ on the holy mountain. And then God said, this is my son in whom I am very well pleased. And then he also saw some things. The Mount of Transfiguration. What was that about? Well, there was baptism. There was baptism. And also... Remember when the two other men came down from heaven and spoke with Christ? Then the disciples saw and Peter said, Hey, wow, Christ and Christ was transformed. That's why it's called Mount of Transfiguration. He was transformed. And then he said, Let us build an altar and all that. So here Peter is saying, Do you know, guys, I was with God, I was with Christ, I was with him on that mountain. And you all didn't even see, you know. I have to tell you, I saw something that was so amazing. The transfiguration. When, Christ, when God the Father said, this is my son in whom I was well pleased. I saw all these things, you know. But I tell you something. Verse, verse 20. Verse 19. You know, despite everything that I've seen, uh, I'm no longer with Christ, right? Physically, Christ has gone back to heaven and I'm going to die soon. But let me tell you something. Verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. He's saying this, Although I heard and saw all this sight, I want to tell you that what I've written to you, huh? verse, verse, verse 15, right? After I die, what I've, written, what I've written to you, always remember, right? What I've written to you uh, is even better than what I saw with my own eyes when I was with God. Do you understand what he's saying? Brenda, what is he saying? <laughs> and it is? It is perfect and it is more wonderful than? Seeing Christ himself. Do you understand? Paul said that 
Peter said that I saw Christ, I walked with him, and I saw sights that you all can't even imagine. But we have a more sure, more sure word of prophecy. It's even better. It's even more sure. More sure. So do you believe? Now, why is it more sure? <laughs> I'll come back to the same question again. Why is it better to have God's word than to have Christ with you? Why? Memory fades, God's word doesn't. Very good. The best way to put it. Christ told them repeatedly many times, right? Did they remember? They always forget, right? Then now we have the written word. Then he tells them, you know, I saw all these things. Please, I've written these things for you. I wrote them down. I'm going to die. You won't hear my voice anymore, but you have my writings. And my writings are God's word. Can you please always refer to it because it is even better than being in person with Christ because you will forget what he says. But now you have it written. In other words, let me ask you, who prefers closed book exam or open book exam? Brenda. Open book exam, of course, right? So, so that's what he's saying. If you don't have the book, you're just trying to recall from memory, right? But he said, with God's word, it's better than you just, they keep thinking, if Christ walked with us and talked with us, he just keep talking to us. Say, no, God give you his word from cover to cover and you everything that you want now is recorded. And it's open book. Right, Christian, you don't have to worry, oh no, I don't know what to do. Oh no, I'm not supposed to refer to the Bible. No, you go to the Bible, right? I don't know how to find God's will. I don't know, is, is this a problem? Is this a sin or not? The Bible. That is why the Christian need the Bible. Don't depend on voices and visions and dreams. Ilim, now you understand? Is vision and dreams better or the Bible? The Bible, because the answers are all there. Vision and dreams you cannot trust also, right? You don't know whether it's your eating too much chocolate before you sleep. Then you have a lot of dreams and visions. You don't know. Is it dream? Is it real or not? Should I really do that? Now, I have colleagues who believe in dream and vision instead of the more sure word of prophecy. They rather be, and they are more comforted if they went to sleep and they had a dream, and then they say, then they try to interpret the dream, and based on that dream, they say, I think this is what God wants me to do. They've, and they will never be satisfied. Right? But with the word of God, it's very sure. Should we marry unbelievers? Don't know, not very sure. But I slap, and then God says, I should marry this person who is an unbeliever. Which is more sure? Go to God's word. Marry, but in the Lord. Then I know all. It's sure. I don't have to wonder. And whatever dreams I have that tells me that it's opposite to the word of God, which should I believe? The more sure word of prophecy. Which is better? The word of prophecy. The Bible. Not dreams and vision. Alright? So don't keep hoping for dreams and vision. Bible tells us very clearly. You're more blessed. You know the disciples at that time, uh, there were still so many things that they would not have known or heard because the rest of the epistles are not written, right? We have more than them. Do you understand? We have more revealed word than them. The only reason why we are not blessed is why. Ben, why? Very good. We don't go and study it. It's the same as you are very blessed. Open book exam, 20 questions, all right? If you never read the book, you don't know where to find the answer. 
Even if you have the book, there's no use during the exam, correct? So we are more blessed only if we know the book, if we know the word. We are truly very blessed. Who likes to bake? Okay, everyone's looking at Brenda. Brenda, you like to bake. Brenda, would you, if there is a very good cook, right, a very famous cook, would you rather the famous cook tell you verbally how to make this very wonderful, what do you call it, macrons, huh? what? Macrons. Is it called macrons? Is it pronounced macrons? Macrons. Would you rather he tell you how to make these macrons or say, type out the recipe and say, here's the physical recipe. Type out, right? Definitely better. But he is the real man, you know. He's the one that really baked that macron and he is the man in person with you, you know. Which one you prefer? Still the type out one, <laughs> right? Still type out. Understand what God is saying. He gives you even much more in his word. That's why we must love to study his word. Because he's really saying, this is a very blessed thing that I'm giving you. You, would you rather have the manual to build a car or would you rather just hear someone tell you? You'd rather have a manual because anything goes wrong, I have the manual. It's definitely better than, I wish the mechanic was here. Hey, no need, I have the manual. I can fix it myself. Today is called what? The internet. Everything you need to fix, you can find on YouTube. Right? It's better than having the person there. So the Bible, right? So it is more blessed. It is truly more blessed, my friends. Don't keep thinking, uh, if only Christ appeared to me tonight when I'm praying, uh, and then directly tell me the answer. No. Right? God says it's more blessed. So believe in it. So what's the moral of the lesson? You are only more blessed if you really put our faith in the Word. Study the Word and put your faith in it. You can keep hearing, but you don't believe, you don't put your trust in it, you're not blessed. You keep hearing how to live your life, you keep knowing, but you don't believe. You're still not blessed. But you say, blessed are they that, look at chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse 29. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. The question is, you must believe. You must put your trust in it. You may feel that it is better this way, but you must believe it's better God's way. Right? You must believe. Then you'll be more blessed. You have the word of God, you don't study it, you don't trust it, you don't obey it, you are not blessed. Okay? So Christ told Thomas something that we must learn very dearly ourselves. So Jennifer, would you prefer Christ to appear in the room tonight and tell you what to do? Or would you rather have his word? His word is all complete. There's more than more answers than you need for now. For future problems also, the answers are there. Now, <clears throat> next one. So you must study, you must treasure it. Okay, now we come to this very big topic, which is called miracles. Now let's let's move on to verse 30. Okay. Now let's read verse 30 to 31 together. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Huh. Now, read carefully. Eh? Okay, we don't answer question number three first. We answer question number four. 
based on these two verses, based on these two verses, what are miracles for? Jennifer, based on these two verses we read, what are miracles for? Signs, many other signs. And these signs are written, what are they for? What's the purpose? Say again. Say. Very good. The purpose for these miracles are so that we believe. That we might believe. Verse 31. Why are these miracles recorded? Why does God want us to know these miracles? That we might believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And when you believe, you can have eternal life. Right? So miracles are for salvation. Agree or not? Shouldn't we? Otherwise, you have to disagree with the Bible. See the signs as Jesus is God. Okay, so you don't just... You must see the signs as Jesus is God, then you, then you can get saved. Right? Okay? So you must see that these miracles tell you that Jesus is God, and therefore you can be saved. So I'll ask you part two, question number four. So question, part four, question four, part one is, what are miracles for? That we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and in believing that we can be saved. So now I ask the part two, Shenwei, is it wrong to believe in Jesus because of his miracles? It is not wrong to believe in Jesus because of his miracles, correct? So... It is correct. So why we keep saying in church, we should not tell people to believe in miracles to be saved? Do we tell people that? Because the miracles today don't point to Christ, is it? Something like that. Now, does Christ say, if you don't believe me, uh, at least believe my works. Did he say that? Let's turn, let's turn to John chapter 5. So we have to be very clear about this thing. Uh. John chapter 5. Um... Uh, I think we use John 20. John 20 verse 31. John 20. Eh, no, they were there. Okay, we look at 536 first. Let's look at chapter 5 verse 36. John 536. Okay, verse 36, let's read together. But I have a greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father have given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me. <clears throat> okay, so now Christ did say that the works that God asked him to do, including the miracles, they bear witness of him. Means they bear witness that he is the Son of God, that he is the Father's Son. Alright, so Christ did say that um, these miracles does point to him as God's Son and that he is the Christ. Okay, so now the question is, um, is it wrong? It is not wrong, because Christ himself said that. Okay, and in chapter 20, we himself, we read, these things are written, that you might believe. 
Okay, so now I ask the question. Nathan, you think carefully. Eh? It is true, right? Christ said, I do miracles, and these miracles are witness that I am the Son of God. Chapter 20, we read again, Christ said, the Bible says, these things are written so that you may believe. These miracles are recorded so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And if you believe He is the Son of God, you can get saved. So it's not wrong to believe in miracles of Christ and be saved, correct? Right. So now, then why are we against charismatic movement that keep talking about miracles? What is... Have you heard of the third wave movement, power evangelism? No. Okay. Oh, yeah, you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ignatius, what? What is power evangelism, third wave movement? Where they show these signs of wonders. For what? To. Say that these are like revelation And then? Okay, power, third wave, charismatic movement is in its third wave movement, right? Power evangelism. What is power evangelism? Power evangelism, they use this verse, for example, to say, now, if you show miracles, hmm? if you show miracles, and we use miracles to evangelize, people will get saved. Understand? So the third wave movement is about believing in miracles to be saved. Okay, now, so, so Nathan, and we say third wave movement is false. It's a heresy. But yet we just read, the Bible did say, these things are recorded, and people get saved. Christ himself said, believe in my works. If you don't believe in me, at least the work proved that I'm a God, so you believe me that I'm God. So why is power evangelism wrong, Nathan? They also perform miracles, and with those miracles, they say, see, people can't believe in Jesus. A man leg cannot walk, then they come for healing, then with this miracle, he can walk and see people, see these signs and wonders, they will believe. The miracle is that they believe in truth. The believe not true miracles. How do you know which are true or false? Your answer is very close. Jesslyn, so why? Why do we say power evangelism is wrong? When Christ said, believe in miracles to be saved. Very good. That is the difference. Now look at the Bible. But, verse 31, but these things are written. What are these things written? Verse 30, many signs truly did who? Was done by who? Jesus. Right? The miracles that Jesus did are recorded. Correct? And when you believe in those miracles that Jesus did, based on the record, that you might believe that you might be saved. Correct? Now read carefully on verse 31. Huh? Let's look at verse 31. Let's read together slowly. But these things are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Are these miracles the miracles that Jesus performed? No, it's performed by this man. Right? But when the Bible says believe in which miracles? Believe in miracles that this man performed? No. He said the miracles that Jesus performed. 
As Jesslyn pointed out, right? The miracles that Jesus performed. And now I ask you the next question. Verse 5. Uh, and, uh, let me see. Now, question 5, right? Why does God not perform more miracles like those in the Old Testament and also New Testament and when Christ walked on earth? So is power evangelism correct then? So we know power evangelism is wrong because it is, the Bible is not saying these new miracles. It's saying the miracles that Christ performed. Prove that it's God. Now, so now, uh, who else? Elaine. What do you want to ask? Why does God not perform more miracles? Since Christ said, right? Look, miracles that I perform, miracles that I perform, and people see them, they can get saved. Right? So why God stop performing? Okay, yes, one problem is people only came to Christ because of miracles, right? And they get free food, so they came to Christ. So Christ also stopped performing. But is, does it still, but do people get saved through miracles? In those days, yes. They saw Jesus' miracles and they confirmed, oh, confirmed, this is really God. No one could do this work except He is really God. Therefore, you must be God and they believe. Alright? So why don't Jesus still perform this kind of miracles? Kevin, why do you think so? Why no, no more new miracles? Why not? Or why not even give why not even give men some more power to do miracles? Because miracles, belief in miracles can be saved. But Jesus said, why don't Jesus continue to give pastor Joseph or all pastors all uh, pastors and, and elders power to do miracles? Why? Joash? Is it because? Uh, like some people like uh, some some only confirms to them but they still don't believe they can see but they don't believe okay um, now actually the answer what I'm trying to ask trying to tell you is this Many Christians are still looking for miracles, right? And they ask, why, why don't you have some more miracles? And then your parents might say, should, should have some more miracles? Or miracles save people. Does, miracle, does believing in Jesus' miracles save people? It does. It's in the Bible. Why does God not continue anymore? The answer is here. Look at your Bibles. Verse 31. Verse 30. Many other signs truly did Jesus. Means many other miracles Jesus really did in the presence of these disciples, but they are not written. They are not written. Okay? So, Brenda, why are they not written? We have the word. No. We are told why, why other miracles are not written. Now, I'm just asking why other miracles are not written. 
You look, so look at verse 30. God says, there are many other miracles that Jesus did, but they are not written. So, ayah, if you have only more. So we'll be so excited. Why? Verse 31 tells you why. Why? Because we already know that Jesus is a Christ? No. Nathan, why? Why did God not record some more? Very good answer. Because we have enough. Verse 31. Now the point that the apostle is but the point that John is making is this. There were many, many, many miracles that people could have known about that could have saved them if they read and would have confirmed that he is Christ. But verse 31 says, but these are written. Enough already. These are enough that ye might believe. Understand? What is written in the scriptures are already enough. And God do not, not only not intend to perform more miracles, what is given is enough for you to believe. Can? Verse 31, you can read it as, but these are written, in other words, but these are enough already for you to believe. Okay? Can, in other words, he's saying this. Uh, next person, Jennifer. Can a person read the Gospel of John and then see Jesus raised Lazarus was dead back to life and say, wow, he performed this miracle. He must be God. I believe in Jesus. Can it happen like that? Yes. In other words, God is saying, I don't need to perform any more miracles. Whatever I've performed that is necessary that can convince men to be safe, that I am God, I've already performed and I have it recorded in here, in the Bible, right? I don't need to give you any more. These are enough. People who read the Bible and the miracles that are recorded there is enough, God said it's enough for them to believe that Jesus is God and become saved. We, and he's another word saying, I will also not be performing any more new miracles or you do not need any more new miracles to have people saved. Power evangelism is constantly creating new miracles. Understand that. Constantly new miracles, believing that miracles can save. But God say, enough already. Just get them to read the Bible. When they read those miracles about what I've done in the Bible, they can be saved. You don't have to keep trying to create miracles to get people to be saved. Okay? Clear? So when you read all this, answers will come to your mind. Should a Christian... Now, then I ask you the next question. Okay, actually, that's, I just answered verse 31, right? Uh, question number 6, right? Now, so what should we focus on? Hey, hang on. Question number 7. Can miracles still happen today? Okay, Samantha nodding her head. Miracles can happen today. Give example. People can be healed like they don't think they can be healed. I'll give you an example. My mom, the doctor says she's confirmed going to be blind in one eye. They say the eye is definitely gone, gone case. The two x-rays, all the physical x-rays say it's all clouded and it's, it's going to be blind. All right? Then the church prayed. We prayed. And God, if it's your will, then heal. If not, then you know, let it be so. We accept it. Right? 
and then it got healed. You mean the doctor, doctor say, there's no way we can explain this. You know, it's a miracle. It is a miracle. Alright? Later we'll define what are miracles, huh? It is a miracle. So can miracles happen today? Yes. It's miracles today for believing in Jesus. But God says the miracles that you need to believe in Jesus are written already. Alright? Now miracles do happen, but what is our attitude towards miracles? Constantly keep looking for miracles? No. God says, I already, what miracles that I want to perform that will save people are recorded already. In other words, he's telling us, don't keep looking for miracles. Understand? Churches today is constantly looking for miracles, right? We have another miracle rally. Then people come to church hoping to see a miracle every, week, every weekend. Then the pastors and the leaders are very stressed to, to, con- to concoct up some miracles. Huh? Miracles like the light is blinking at the back. The light is blinking at the back. A miracle is happening. That's what they say. I actually watched a video like that. Um, The light was flickering and then some lights were moving. A miracle is happening among us. Miracles can happen, but there is a purpose. Okay? So they can, but the Christians should not constantly be looking for miracles. God already said, my word is better. What miracles are needed is recorded already. If I choose to perform, I choose to perform. Now, there are three periods of miracles. What are the three periods of miracles? Shouldn't really know, so can I ask her? Uh, Joash, if you think in the Bible, there are three periods where miracles happen all the time. It is true. There are periods in the Bible where miracles happen all the time. Ooh, miracle, 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 miracle. Day and night, all the time. What's the first period that you remember? From Old Testament. Uh. <laughs> Start from beginning. Start from beginning, from Old Testament. Wow, a lot of miracles. Day and night also miracles. Miracles coming out of the years. Think of? Ben, who? What, Achilles? What? Exodus. Very good, Exodus. Exodus. What about Exodus? Uh, Moses, and Aaron, Aaron. Moses and Aaron in Egypt. The ten plagues. Then when they were traveling, the, during daytime there was a pillar of cloud to shade them. Then at night, the cloud, pillar of cloud was fire. Keep them warm. In the desert, it's very cold at night. Right? And then, what else? Every day, what did they eat? Kevin? Manna. Manna. What's Manna. Food from heaven. Manna literally means, what's this? <laughs> okay. When they saw, what's this? Then from then on, it was called, what's this? Right? Manna. Manna from heaven. Did they have to plant something to grow to... Every day, rain from heaven. Now, you imagine, uh, not every day we live. Uh, in summer, there's this cloud always following you. Okay? Or outside BPCWA. Oh, very nice. Very cool. No need heater on. In winter, wow, then got this warm heat that's radiating coming in. Alright? Fellowship time, no need to cook. Okay, we just all bring pail outside, plop, 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 go and eat. Okay? Every day like that now. Every day for 40 years. Is that a period? Every day miracle is happening. Okay? That's one period. After that, do you hear a lot of miracles? It was silent. Silent, right? Then what's the next period? Anyone remember? 
Then, another period. Think of wow, miracles. There are two prophets, very famous. Elijah and Elisha, right? Elijah period. That period also a lot of miracles. He performed a lot of miracles, raised people from the dead, called call fire down from heaven, that kind of thing. Right? So, a lot of miracles. Then after that, silent again. Then after that, now, Justin. Ah, Juraj, you can say your answer. What do you say just now? Very good. Jesus and the apostolic period. Okay. Jesus, when Jesus was on earth and the apostles' time. Apostles' time. When Jesus was on earth, miracles, miracles galore, right? Lots of it. You read the gospel. The apostle time also. They can heal people just by their shadows, right? So after that, do you hear about miracles again? Silence. Understand? Now, there are three when Are there periods where there are miracles, 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 miracles? Yes. Understand? But from the Bible, you will see that there are specific periods only. After this period, silent already. Alright? So we should not be always expecting miracles all the time. Did miracles happen? Yes. Did miracles used to happen very frequently? Yes. But it is not all the time. And after that, the only warning that Christ gave after this, when you see miracles... Is what? Turn to Matthew 24, 24. Matthew 24, 24. Another period where you are going to see a lot of miracles, so to speak. Let's read together. What this is before Christ's return, right? Let's read together, 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and show, shall show great signs and wonders, in so much if possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now, the next time where, so Christ walked on earth, then he said there will be miracles, then after that it's going to be silent. The next time there will be, you're going to hear a lot about signs and wonders again, is what? This time it is false prophets. Understand that? Now when we keep looking, looking, and keep seeing miracles, it will be this. So, the Christian must understand this. If we keep lusting for signs, we are lusting for these false prophets. Okay? It's, not, it's no more. When it comes, it's going to be these ones. So now, okay, I want to end. Some other questions I will, I will cover the next time. So the, should the Christian keep focusing for miracles like during this period? No. Did it happen regularly at that time? Yes. Okay? Now, the next one, do miracles, can miracles save people in Jesus, what Jesus did and what is recorded? They read, they believe, they, they get saved. Okay? But not miracles that we perform, so to speak. But I have a question. Huh? Yeah, sorry. Then the next thing I want to summarize is, why no more miracles today? Because enough already. Christ said enough. In fact, I did more than that, but I recorded what is enough for people to believe. Through that, they can get saved already. Right? Don't keep trying to invent some more miracles. But question number three, define miracles. Someone give birth. Uh, when Daniel came out. Hey, Daniel. When Daniel came out. <laughs> All right, when Daniel... <laughs> he's talking about me. <laughs> when Daniel came out, 
they they all scream, it's a miracle. <laughs> Not very often now, people, your colleagues come, wow, it's a miracle. People give birth, wow, a miracle. Then sometimes you go for, you look at sunset, wow, a miracle. So sunsets are miraculous, right? We like to use the word miracle, miracle, miracle. Hmm? So how to define a miracle? Now I ask you this. Okay, Daniel, I, I'm done. You're still looking at me like, yes, any other questions for me? <laughs> All right. So um, does Satan, can Satan perform miracles? You sure? Can Satan perform miracles? So the next time when we define miracles, then we have a biblical way of saying, does Satan perform miracles or does he not perform miracles? Okay? So we come back, we'll talk, we'll define miracles. The Christian must have a very sharp understanding of miracles, otherwise we fall into all sorts of wrong doctrines. Right? So when we come back, we'll define them. Okay, let's turn to God in prayer.